This is Keisha. And this is Jay. And I'm a therapist. And I'm an educator. And this is the Get Your Life Podcast. Hi, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Get Your Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Keisha, and I'm here with... Jay. Hey, Jay. Hey, girl. Hey. I am good. I am good. Chilling. Had a good day. Long week. But took the day off today to get my mind right. So had some therapy, had some good food. I'm good. Watched a little bit of Luke Cage. So um, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, you know what? I'm out of the cloud. (laughs) Explain. What does that mean? I texted you one day and I said, I'm in a funk. It's been like a funky two weeks. And I have high-functioning anxiety, mm. which is not a diagnosable term. That is a millennial <laughs> term. This is not in the DSM-5, but I have high-functioning anxiety. And my anxiety has been at a high the past two weeks. And I realized that I put too much pressure on myself. No. And- <laughs> For real, girl? Not- yeah, like, no, seriously. Like, it's not pressure as in I feel like I have too much on my plate because I don't feel like I have too much on my plate is pressure as in I feel like I'm not efficient with what I have on my plate. Mm. I feel like I've not peaked or reached my potential with what I can do and I feel like I'm not half-assing it but I'll say I like three-quarters ass it where I can give the whole dollar but I just settle for 75 cents. Hmm. I feel like that's how I've been moving about. And so it's this push-pull of not even necessarily perfection, but adequacy against like, well, you're doing enough, Keisha. Like, you know, I mean, like, just take a break. Like, you can you can do just this much. And it's caused me, like, a lot of anxiety. And so this week... I burned some sage, and I tried to meditate. I listened to some Gladys Knight, mm, and Gladys. just really tried to center myself and just talk myself through it. And I think like the tipping board was—I told you I started CrossFit. Yes. And so I had two weeks of, I guess, like orientation for CrossFit, where they teach you the techniques. It's like a workout, but it's not really like a workout because you're just learning the techniques. So then, like, I started started on Monday, and I was really frustrated because CrossFit does everything completely different. And I've played sports, like, my whole life. So, like, it's like throwing away 20 years of what you thought you knew <laughs> and doing something completely different. A squat isn't even the same. A box no? jump isn't even the same. Nothing is the same. And so, like, when I'm doing a movement, I'm self-conscious because I'm like, this feels weird. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I'm in a room with all these people who know what they're doing, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) And it's, like, the third week. And so, like, that's what made CrossFit hard. Like, it's not the the athleticism of it. It's the technique of it that Mm. is very hard. And so... I was hard on myself with that because I'm ready to just like know it yeah, and be able to like work out and do it. So that was new. And then like being amongst new people, like 
CrossFit does have that quote-unquote cultishness of it because everybody's super friendly. My husband has been doing it since December. And the thing about my husband is um, David is like, I feel like genetically and naturally athletic. But yeah, you talked about that on the last show. <laughs> he doesn't try. Like his baseline is athletic, but he doesn't feed into it. He doesn't eat healthy. He doesn't go to CrossFit every day. He may go once or twice a week. And so just his baseline is impressive to everybody at CrossFit. So they haven't even seen him give a dollar. They just see he give 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm in there and they're like, hey, everybody, this is David's wife. Oh my gosh, you're David's wife? So I feel like he's like the senior in high school and I'm like the freshman <laughs> little sister coming in and he plays football. Hey, hey guys, this is David's wife. And it's, they're all like, they all talk to each other. <laughs> And so, like, that's weird. And he has this president that's been set for himself. Little do they know how he is outside of Foster. <laughs> they don't need and to so, know. Like, that ain't none of their business. Yeah, it isn't. But so that's like that added pressure. And it's just like, I just felt so anxious. So that on top of the border, like everything with the border was just bothering me. Yeah, I had to tune out. Like, at first, initially, I felt myself desensitized from it because I was like, nah, nothing new, same old America. I mean, you know, that's what we do, rip people from their families. That's how we got here. That's what they did to Native Americans. They did it to Japanese when we had Pearl Harbor. I mean, nothing new, mm -hmm. same old, same old. And then it was when I saw um, the mother who got reunited with her son, and she was just wailing. Yeah. And then I was reading up on like all the countries that they were running from. And it was like, do you want a 99% chance to die? Or you want a 50% chance to die crossing yeah. the border? I'll just take the 50% chance to die. Yeah. And that whole, like that was just like on yeah. top of it. <laughs> I, I really, for my peace of mind, had to tune out. Um, just because not that saying, oh, I don't care because I care too much. That's why I had to tune out because it was really like affecting me. And from a former green card carrying now naturalized citizen, you know, immigration is a big deal to me. And I understand why people come to this country um, there's even at its worst, there's still so many opportunities than where other people are coming from. You know, I always tell people America is one of the few countries where you're born in poverty and actually can end up being a million or billionaire one day. You know, that's unheard of a lot of other places, wherever you're born at your economic status is where you stay, you die. And, you know, so if you're born in poverty, not saying that's not the case in some areas here or some cases, but you have a fighting chance. You have a chance to get an education. Um, so it's it's tough watching it. I really had to, like, say no more. And I mean, it's just everything. And I don't know if you if you've read it or saw it, but what? Um, domestic violence used to be a thing where you can um get asylum in the US they took that shit away 
So well, not even that. They're from countries of like oppression and corruption and just all of this other stuff and they still can't come. And no. then the other thing I was conflicted with was where to give a donation. Because yeah. like you just I'm a woman. Can I just slide and give, give you the stuff? Because I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you're so paranoid about who legit. Are, are they getting this formula? Are they getting these diapers? <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I know. I mean, look at Haiti with all the corruption, you know, after the earthquake. And it's, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I literally, for my peace of mind, and not having a breakdown in the middle of a meeting, I had to say, you know, I have to turn this off. Like even the podcast that I listen to on a daily basis that deals with, you know, what's going on in the country and the world. I had to just tune out and listen to music. I just I couldn't else. I would literally like pull over my car and just be like, fuck this shit, you know, so it's it's tough it's it's tough watching what's going on in the world and other people are like mm, build that wall you know while we're like no there's babies but it's i don't know none of this racism you know to me is the most irrational thing in the world i've really tried to sit and understand it but it's just irrational. There is no logical explanation to racism. If you really just sit there for a minute and say, so you don't like somebody because of either their ethnic or racial background. Oh, it's the stupidest thing. If I was a political I was referring with this type of power, and I saw constantly people fleeing to my country. I would not withdraw from the United Nations. I would instead try to figure out with their country heads, well, what the fuck's going on with y'all over there? Or how can we figure something out? Or what can I do so I don't have so many illegal people here, so I don't have so many people getting raped and killed to get here, and we can figure out a safer way that they can do it, or we can help you have a better situation where they don't have to do it or collaborate with another country so they can go there and not saturate what we have. But I wouldn't just say, take your kids and, and fly them to Michigan and put them in cages yeah. and fuck y'all. Like I just. But you have sense and you're not a racist. So in <laughs> your mind, it makes perfect logical sense but when we are talking by people that talking about people that are motivated and inspired by hate and xenophobia it, it does not make sense racism is does not make sense I mean, classism doesn't make sense. Anything that makes one race or gender or sex superior and another inferior is illogical. It just doesn't make sense. And for us as rational-minded people that sit here and sort through it and try to come up with things that people are elected in office to do, this doesn't make sense. It's it's like arguing with a fool. You eventually, we're going to start looking like the fools because we're not going to come to a place where they're like, 
oh yeah, you know what, you're right. No, so for me, it's, I figure out what I can do, you know, if it's a donation, if it's, I don't know. But for me, calling, you know, our local representatives. And so for me, that's what I've done to say, oh, you want this office you're in? You better do something. But out of that, I don't know what else I can do besides showing up two years from now and voting. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. Because like you said, but even with the donations, if you send them, you got to send them and just hope that they get in the right place. Like I sent some diapers through baby to baby. The process was kind of weird because mm-hmm. it's connected through Target. So it was kind of awkward, but that was like the only thing that I saw that I like could do. And I felt like, you know, diapers were, were needed. They were saying a lot of those mothers had to choose between feeding their child or getting them diapers. And I can't imagine having to have that type of choice. Oh, yeah. I just do get to the That's all I can do. But that, that in itself is just like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's yeah. I, I really had to like to now. I just I couldn't. I didn't. I'm not immune to it. But I know, like I said, watching it anymore. I, I wouldn't be able to function. I would literally look at my kids and just start like bawling. So I had to tune out. But besides the tragedy that's happening, um, what else is popping? Well, I guess I'll go into my Get Your Life. We have to go to Beyonce. Okay. <laughs> and all of her sexiness, her with her man naked in the bed, that booty out with that thong on and her rapping about smoking weed and her little ratchet side that she shares with us here and there, I would say would be the highlight of the week is listening to the Carter's album. Okay. I like the album. I'm not obsessed or I don't necessarily love the album. I love tracks on the album, but overall as um, a work and again, art is, you know, um, it depends on the person. It's subjective, but I think um, there's, like I said, songs that I absolutely love. Of course, I love that they gave us an album because I'm like, right. dang, I've been waiting on this. But um, overall, it was a it was an okay album. It was good, but I don't know. There's something that I was just like, mm, I don't know. Maybe because they're such powerhouses within their right, you know, their own lanes. That I figured when they came together, it would be something so massive. And um, don't get me wrong, I love both of them. Um, I was a Jay-Z fan before I was a Beyonce fan, but, um, so there's tracks that I absolutely love and I play over and over again. And I can listen to the complete album. I've listened to it several times, but I wasn't wowed. And I feel I'm in the minority of people that feel that way. (laughs) I don't feel like it was the best album for the both of them. I felt like it was a great distraction for me for the week. Mm-hmm. And I felt like looking at the video and seeing the visuals 
Mm-hmm. Anytime she releases any type of visual or anything, any of her work, I feel like it's so artful. Yes. And I remember before, years ago, when I had first read this interview that she had where she was talking about how she was an artist and her father had said that she was a better artist than she was a singer. And to like watch how she shows that in different ways, because I love art a lot. Mm-hmm. And to see them in the, the Love Museum, and I just, I really liked it. I liked, I liked it. I felt like the album was very reminiscent of Cardi B and like Migos. Like some of the stuff they would say yeah. or sound gave me that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because she, you know, they she sounded different. Like how she would say some stuff. She went into it, his world. He didn't come into hers. Right. Um, so it was a lot of that. But preparation for concert. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I love it. I listened to it like today on the way to therapy. Traffic was terrible. And I kind of just put it on and ride to it. I love the progression of the album, like kind of how it starts till I think the last song. Um, what's the name of it? Hold on. Um, the song, how it. Uh, hold on. Let me pull up my title. And I'm sure this album is on every streaming service at this point. But um, Love Happy, I think that's a good way to wrap up both the um, Lemonade and 444 album. So I appreciated it. Um, They gave people a glimpse into their world. And I mean, I know people have been dying for it for years. For me, not so much. Like, I think it's good to share your story. But... I think also when you've moved on, people still hold on to it. Like her stands literally hate Jay-Z because of what he did to her. So, but I mean, so I, I just, I, I mean, I like the album. It's a good writing album. Um, and it, I mean, it, there's different levels to it. There are different feelings. Um, but my absolute favorite song on the album is Friends. Um, I love it. That's my absolute song on the album. My absolute favorite song on the album. So you want to take a break and tell them how Friends is connected to what we're going to talk about today? All right. Hey guys, so we're back. So I just realized that I didn't have a get your life moment, nor did I do an update. The the update's not really that serious. (laughs) We just started talking about kids at the border and our administration and it just, but anyway, so I think for updates, um, I'm getting back into things. I was gone in New Orleans for a conference, which was an amazing conference. And I love New Orleans and so all that good stuff. So just getting back into work and I felt like the sky had fell while I was gone and I was holding it back up when I got back. Um, My get your life moment though are for um, women that are taking care of business and I'll explain why. Um, I, I had therapy today and we were talking about some of the things that I have anxiety around and one of them is money, not the anxiety of being broke, 
but the anxiety of owing people. I don't like owing people. <laughs> but I mean, unfortunately, if you have a house, if you have a car, unless you bought that shit cash, you're going to owe people. So um, for me, I, appre I wasn't that good with money in my 20s. I was never really broke, but I wasn't as careful with my money as I should have been, especially the earlier part of my 20s. I didn't understand money. I didn't have a relationship with money. My relationship was making it and spending it and saving some of it. But of course, as I got older, I really started understanding the effects of money. You really start understanding what credit is. Most people are focused on a good credit score, but people aren't thinking about like a debt income ratio and what does that look like? Because you could have a good credit score and can't get shit because, um, <laughs> you know, you can't. Like your credit is not in a good place. Well, your debt to income ratio is not in a good place. So for me, just over the years, learning and understanding what makes your credit score go up, what makes it go down, um, just different things. So for me, um, I'm seeing so many women get into like financial planning and teaching people how to balance their money and accounting and things like that. And one of the people that is actually doing that and does a great job is one of my childhood friends. And her name is um, Zania. And she has a business called Hold Up. Let me tell you, it's called Perspective Change. And she helps people with their finances. You could also find her on Instagram at um, the underscore coins underscore underscore cachet. So, um, yeah. So for me, it's just really good seeing women really take care, um, charge of their finances, understanding money and having a good relationship with money and not so much what you can buy, but how you build generational wealth and all that good stuff. So I'm very proud of women that are doing that and not only doing that themselves, but teaching other women how to do that. So those are my um, get your license moments for, you know, that's what I consider a real boss bitch, like being on top of your stuff, even if you weren't that great with it in the beginning, learning how to, you know, balance it and making sure that when you want the expensive shit, you can afford the expensive shit. So yeah, but all right, so let's get into the topic. You want to kick it off? You kick it off. Girl, all right. <laughs> so as before our break, we mentioned that, um, well, I mentioned that uh, Friends is one of my favorite songs on the album. My friends, real friends, better than your friends. That's how we keep popping out that binge, yeah. No foes, real friends, we even gotta pretend, yeah. Get bands, get bands, spinning all on my friends, yeah. Pull me up, pull me up, pull me up. So between that song and I read a article of Madame Noir earlier this week and the title of the article was why do we hold our friends to a different standards than the men we date. So between both of those, it, it got me kind of thinking about friendships 
and how we view friendships, how we treat friendships, how we define friendships, how we pour into or not pour into friendships. So I text Keisha like, yo, you want to talk about friendships? So um, that's what we're going to talk about today. And as usual, we invite all kinds of feedback. You could tell us we're wrong, tell us we're full of shit or say, you know, I kind of feel where you're coming from. So my question for you, Miss Keisha, is how do you define friendship, a friendship? I define friendship by a person accepting you for who you are and for being supportive of you in the ways that they can that are actually supportive of you in a way for you to receive it. And for them to be a positive, uplifting space for you to be in. That it's not someone who's bringing any type of negativity or bringing their own negativity and projecting it upon you. But, you know, just similar to a relationship, this friendship is also an escape for you. It's something that you can enjoy and laugh and and grow with and cherish. And it's, it's, enriching that's my definition i dig that (laughs) (laughs) so how i define friendship is and mine is pretty simplistic and it's always been over the years um i say i don't require a lot from my friends but i'm learning that what i require a lot of people don't want to give and for me it's reciprocity And um, to me, I never demand more from my friends than I myself are willing to give um, because I think that's bullshit when you keep pouring into people that pour into you. I feel like loyalty is important because for some people, their friendship is it. They may not have a huge family. They may not have family. I was watching like old episodes of Sex in the City today as I was um, doing my daughter's hair and There was this one episode where Carrie, I think, had found out something about Big or whatever, and she was talking about running to her family, and that was her friend. Um, Of course, we know who her three friends are, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte. And um, so for me, loyalty is required when I tell my friend something, I don't expect it to be in the top of the tabloids the next morning or for it to be just kind of spread. It's kind of, there should be a safety there. There should be a comfort there. I think um, there should be some honesty there where if your friend is telling you something, you should know it's coming from a place of love. Because if you would ever think it's not coming from a good place, that person shouldn't be your friend. So to me, that's kind of how I define friendship, just reciprocity um, and really loyalty. I don't expect my friends to hang out with me every day. I don't expect my friends to call me or text me every day. Folks got shit to do unless you do have that relationship where everyone has that one friend that they talk to or text every day and things like that. Or just it's just random shit you'll text about. But I think for me, that's how I define friendships. You're someone that's loyal, someone that, you know, returns um, what you give and someone that is willing to support you. So yeah, I think that's how I define friendship. That makes sense. I agree. 
David has, um, or should I say that? <laughs> <laughs> you already um, started it, girl. We can edit right. out. Um, David has someone, it's a female, mm-hmm. that is in his circle. She went to college with us. Mm-hmm. And this week, well, I already knew this about her. And I don't think it, it phases him, but it phases me. She's a repeater. And I don't like repeaters. I just, I don't. Um, and she repeats everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember when she came to visit us over the holidays last year, she was telling us every fucking thing about her best friend. Like, the whole stuff. I felt uncomfortable listening yeah. to it. So what I do you think she does about people. your business that she knows yeah. about y'all? Right. And, you know, so I shared it with him. She's not my friend, but, you know, it's his friend. And... um she, and she doesn't do it in a gossip way, and maybe in her mind she thinks it's okay. Like, it's not, no, oh, let me see. Oh, it's yeah. literally, it's like a newscaster of just like. Village reporter is what we call them in Jamaica. <laughs> all of this information, but she's this self-righteous person, and she's like, holds herself to this standard, but she repeats fucking shit all the fucking time. And I don't think that's a good friend. Nope. I think that you need to find other shit to talk about what, of substance than other people's business. Well, she may not have none. So therefore, she has to talk about other people's. And that sucks because if you hold yourself to a high standard, your standard can't be that great and you can't be that holier than thou because you tell people's business all the time and don't get me wrong I'm not gonna sit up here and said like I've never discussed a friend situation with another friend but when I do it most and I'm not gonna say mo- well most of the time it's not in a gossipy way it's like I don't know what to do about this situation I might need somebody else's like opinion like I don't know and it's not on like a free-for-all like the way she did it was it was a room of four people like if if I tell if I share something to someone where I'm conflicted about a friend and I don't know what to do, then it's to one single person that I feel like I can trust who won't judge and that can give me sound advice. Mm-hmm. I'm not standing standing up at a microphone to a room full of people yeah. regurgitating this information. Yeah. I feel like that that's not a good friend. Yeah, because what if they know something about you or not. Sometimes they don't even know it, but if they perceive some stuff, they're like a fucking barrel with holes. They just leak all the time. It's yeah, I can't, you got to get them squares about your circle. Uh-uh. Like uh, Jay-Z said, what does he say? I'm geometrically opposed to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I can't. Cause to me, for people like that, I'm like, well, what do you say about me? Right. Right. I right. never believe and I'm the exception to the I rule. I don't, talk about my friends I don't say anything negative about my friends if we're not friends (laughs) I could possibly say something negative um and I mean that like on an acquaintance level and then there if I just don't like you then of course I could definitely say something that could be negative but my friends 
I don't talk shit about my friends to anybody ever. That's how friendship should be. And I think sometimes when we say stuff, it can come off negative when I think sometimes it may be coming out of concern or frustration, but I guess whoever is receiving it may take it a wrong way. But I think there's a difference between harmful gossip and concerning conversation, if that makes sense, because it just makes sense in my head. So, uh, (laughs) all right. So, um, what makes a good friend? What makes a bad friend? We kind of just touched on it. Um, a gossiping ass heifer is a bad friend. And not only gossiping heifer, excuse me, I have this friend, she was, she and I were friends in high school and she's someone, I don't know, I'm kind of like debating what I need to do with this, but (laughs) I feel like I'm in my life where I'm good. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm friends. And um, she's someone that I was friends with. And she was one of those where it was not reciprocated, where I poured in a lot for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she lived, She's from my hometown. And she had moved to a, a city that was closer to Atlanta, but still far away. She wouldn't feel comfortable driving to Atlanta but she would want to come visit. So I would drive down, pick her up, bring her up here to come spend the weekend and then drive her back home and come back and never ask for gas, money, Mm -hmm. nothing like that. And there was one time she was really broke, didn't have no money, but she wanted to come up. She was going through a hard time. She was always going through a hard time. So I said, come on up, pay for the weekend, you know, I'll support the both of us. There was a time where somebody got shot at a brother's house, drove her out there to the house, sat at the police station, did all of that. And do you know, like, at some point I had found out she was dating some guy. She drove up to Atlanta to see him because that's where he lived. She came hmm. to see him. Hmm. And any time I had any any type of event, if I had a book event, if I had a birthday, mm-hmm. just anything. She couldn't come, but she came to come see him. Oh, yeah, and girl, so that dick bomb. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> it probably even wasn't, but, you know. I, like, felt like I was like, I'm good. I'm straight. Like, I'm good. I don't have to, like, I don't, I don't have to have this. And then, like, as of the past few months, she's come back around and, you know, we should connect again. And it was so interesting because she didn't live in the state anymore. She moved away. And she said she was going to be coming to our hometown and she would like to see me. And I said, well, I live here. Do you want to come see me if you pass by? This is where I am. And you're welcome to stop by. And so she texted when she got back and she was like, hey, I'm in town if you want to come. And I said, I'm not coming Good to Ridgefield. And you. then what, what was she at on social media in Atlanta yep. with some friends? Telling you they don't change. And I'm okay, let me not say they don't change. But for me, it takes a lot for me to be done with a person. So when I'm done with you, I'm done with you. Not that if I don't if I see you in the street, I won't speak to you or anything like that. But I believe that people are who they are at the core. And at this point in our lives, things about us may change, but unless something catastrophic happens that really changes who we are, we're pretty much set in our damn ways. 
And um, so once once it's deuces, it's deuces forever. Like I wish you the best. I hope everything you want in life works out for you. But I'm I'm done with you. I just don't want to go back there. What I was saying that I don't know what to do with is I'm I've reached this point in my my life where I feel like I need to give a moral of the story. Like I need to give you a memo. Like this this is why you've been evicted. And and then I'm done. So I've debated if she should get this type of notice because I do realize that some people won't get it. Mm-hmm. And they won't you know, receive the understanding, agree with it, mm-hmm. or in a place to to care to know. Yeah. Um, so, like, I go back and forth about that. But then I kind of feel like, just in me, like, I just need to tell you, you fuck, you're a fucked up person. Yeah. And <laughs> this is why I don't fuck with you anymore. But you know they know most of the time. They're just in denial about it. For me, I only feel the need to tell people they're fuck asses when I want to rekindle it, but it's not my responsibility anymore to make sure you know about yourself because come on now, we know our goods and our bads. We may want to bury them and highlight the goods and like completely eradicate the bad to the public, but no, we know unless you're an idiot that's not a, that has no intuition at all, you know, you know. So do you think that friendship and what happened in that friendship kind of um, had some effect on how you deal with your current friendships? Well, I think that I think that I've always been a reciprocal person because she's not the only person that I've eliminated because of that. There was another friend that I had named Tally who wasn't a reciprocal person. And um, she was someone who had a kid before we had a kid. Mm-hmm. And she withdrew herself from me because she had a child and she assumed I didn't want to associate or hang out with her because she had a child. And she gravitated towards other younger mothers who had children. And mm-hmm. I, I get it, you know, if you feel like you can relate to them or y'all can share stories or whatnot. But don't just exclude me and think that I feel some type of way. Because yeah. I actually really liked her daughter and cared about her daughter. And she made that decision. And for me, like, for me, when I tell someone, this is why I don't fuck with you, it's more so empowering for me, but not as much as for you to, for this person to learn from it. I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily care if they do or they don't, but it's empowering for me to not that disdain I've like uplifted it off of me and I told you why and now we're done (laughs) I get for me it does that to my energy I get you um so uh dang it I had a question I needed to ask you that just completely left my head as you were talking um but to piggyback off of something you said so if you told her about well you said you're still kind of trying to decide um and if you're gonna tell her or not and you don't because y'all ain't been cool like that for a minute so you don't know if she's even in the place to receive it but like you said shoot that really ain't your problem you just being like girl bye you're a mess um bye have you ever been a bad friend I've been a bad friend before. Um, when was the last time was I a bad friend? 
I've been a bad friend when I was younger, I had, <laughs> okay, here, this is funny. I've been a bad friend in the respect of, I get anxiety about if people click with other people hmm. or if people feel uncomfortable or bored or like they don't have anybody to talk to. And so I have, I don't have like a group of friends. Like I didn't go to college and this is my group of friends for life. I have some college friends. I have some people I've accumulated through work. I have some people that I've accumulated through just random stuff. So it's just a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. And there's a lot who may not know each other, you know, and there's some that are white and there's some that are black and there's some that are Asian. And so I, I guess I've been a bad friend in respect of not, and I don't even know if this is a bad friend, but not wanting to mix the two Mm -hmm. or um, choosing one group over the other group um, and just being like, I guess like angst about it. Like if, for example, if I have a birthday party, I may only invite this particular group. Hmm. and not the other group. And I feel like that's a bad friend, but I'll do that because I don't want, I in my mind, I care if people are mixed and they don't click or they don't like each other or it's like too weird or too different. And I know that that's like stupid and it shouldn't matter and that's their issue, it's not my issue. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I feel like that's something that I'm working on. Hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. But I mean, at least you said that's something that you're working on and you acknowledge it because you might be surprised. Like I've clicked with like a couple of your friends, but I can pretty much get along with anybody as long as they don't piss me off. So like for real, I can, I I can roll with the punches with anybody, but, um, but that's up to them to decide. And you have to understand the common factor that they have is you. So I think based off of how you've chosen your friends, you've chosen some sensible people to be your friend that even if they themselves aren't friends, the common thing that they're celebrating is you. So, you know, people come together and make it work because you've had functions with different friends where everybody just kind of gelled in the room and there was somebody for everybody you know some people were a lot closer than other people and um yeah people just kind of vibed so like I for example when I had my bachelorette party when I got married um in Savannah Mm -hmm. it was a combo compilation of people Mm -hmm. and I have a friend who during that period was struggling with white people. Okay. Because there were a lot of shootings that were going on, um, just a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And she was in a period where she was very disgruntled and did not like, she even said it out her mouth, I don't like to spend time with white people when I'm not at work. Yeah. (laughs) Trauma will do that to you. Outside of work, I don't spend time with white people. And I remember doing that whole trip. I was just like on edge, like, like I don't want anything to happen. And you know, I 
And it was my issue, and it went perfectly fine. Didn't nobody say nothing. Mm-hmm. Went nobody out of that type of way. But that's how I'll be, like, in my head mm-hmm. and create just stupidness out of that. Listen, sometimes it's justifiable. But, I mean, you always tell me you can only go by the facts and what you've experienced. <laughs> And the knowledge that you have and the knowledge has said in every given situation where people have come to support you, it's always been chill. It's always been a good vibe, whether it, wait, why wasn't I at your bachelor? Oh, I was pregnant. That's why. (laughs) You're right. You're so right. I was at your, um, your bridal shower, but not at church. I was like, wait a minute. Why was not I there? Yeah, I was knocked up. Like, about to pop, knocked up. <laughs> but, um, so, but it's always been a good time. And I think people's just always um, just found a niche or someone. I never saw anyone kind of like hanging over to the side, like at your bachelorette party. Like I was like, oh my God, Seek is so cool. I love her. Like, <laughs> so, and just different people that I have never like, you know, spoken to on that level. So it was, it's always been a good time. So get out your head, girl. Your friends will not, you don't have like ratchet ass friend. That's going to be like, fuck you, bitch. You know, so. <laughs> And I think they know better that even if they're feeling some kind of way that they would not do that. So um, I definitely think um, I've been a bad friend in the past and probably recently just because, you know, I'm going through this whole and this sounds so fucking cliche, but I'm going to say it, you know, the 2018 J where I'm just like there's some changes that need to be made, but I think in my changes, I don't tell people I'm changing. I'm just like, oh, you ain't know why I don't mess with you anymore, or you don't know why I don't answer your texts anymore, or, you know, for me, and it goes back to when I'm done, I'm done. And um, I think there, and I and I've realized it that, since I think I had two major friendships that failed, they were really, really, really important friendships to me. And they went sour and it was like a hit in my heart. Like one of these people was my um, maid of honor in my wedding. And um, I have not letting people get no one's ever gotten that close to me again as a friend. Um, and that was, and I, and I feel like that's being a bad friend because I really can say right now, I have a small, small circle by choice. You know, I have, sometimes I'm like, why do people want to be my friend? I'm a loner. I want to be by- a lot of people. I, every time I'm out with her, we run into somebody she knows. <laughs> But I don't want to be their friend, and I know. But I'm just saying, like you're, <laughs> you know, a lot of people will be like, "What was that, Ely Fresh?" And you were like, "What's that coming stuff?" You know, like I in like I think people are dope. I I enjoy people. I support people. But I think 
I haven't truly processed like everything that's happened in bad friendships. So for me, I've just kind of, I have this wall, like the person that's closest to me is my husband. Like that, like, you know, and it's in, it's, it sucks because I have amazing friends and there's people that want to be my friend. And I'm like, nope, don't want to be your friend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the truth. You can't sit with us, Jay. Well, they can sit with me. We just can't be friends. <laughs> I'll allow you. It's funny because my neighbor Tammy, my former neighbor, they moved away almost a year ago. They, um, we met for our lunch. She came out here and saw me. And during one of my um, breaks at work, we had lunch together, and we were talking because literally they lived across from us almost two years before we even like talked. (laughs) That's because I drive into my garage, I close my garage door and I go in my house and I don't talk to people. (laughs) Like I had two pregnancies and then every time once the babies were here and it was like summer and I'm like walking to the play area in our neighborhood and people are like, you had a baby? Oh. I remember one time I was saying to do, I'm like, people are going to start thinking I just adopted these kids. Because you would not see me because I pull into my garage. The furthest I go is go pick up like my mail at the mailbox. Or if the weather is decent, I would like walk. But I was pregnant with Zora and no one saw her until she was like a couple months old. And I remember a neighbor walking by and was like, oh my gosh, you had a baby. And I was like, yeah. And then with Garvey, <laughs> same thing. So um, I was home during that time and my neighbor Tammy and I, we got really, really close. And like, I consider her a friend. She's she's so dope. She's so supportive. But I just thought about like, you literally lived there two years, like literally across from me. It would, it takes me probably like 30 seconds to walk outside of my house and walk to her house. And then once we became cool, like we've been so cool then, but that's just how I am. And I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I know I'm definitely guard. Like, think about it. How long were you and David together until like we officially... I seen Jay like in passing at events. <laughs> <laughs> Heard about her. Yeah. I don't know like when we exchanged numbers. <laughs> I don't know either. And then like once we did, we like clicked immediately. Okay, so I, we exchanged numbers because I think it was like a cell phone or something and you had drove to E West End and we met. Oh yeah an actual food place or something like that. Yeah, that's when I was vegan. Yeah, I think like from there we communicated. That's it. That's right. David had asked um, uh, Do if he um, had an extra cell phone because I think you had cracked your. I don't remember what it was. And David had asked Do, and David was like, "Well," and Do was like, "Well, yeah, Jay can just bring it." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Okay." David had given either you my number or whatever, but you're right. And then, like, we clicked immediately. And David was like, I told y'all, y'all would like each other. And this was, like, years, years. 
he always said that. And that's so funny that he could see that. <laughs> it's like years, years. Now. And it's so funny because like you're one of my, like probably my only friend that I think has the same music like, like I like. And, you know, like if we're in a car together, we're the only ones singing like the rock and the emo <laughs> shit from like the early 2000s and everybody else looking like. Charlotte. We were going to Charlotte J, screaming out Elaine's Morrison, the only two people in the car, the whole song. Yep. <laughs> While everybody else was like, so. And then went to Crucial Conflict yep. right after. <laughs> but, you know, David always said, he was like, y'all will really like each other, I swear. I'm like, and he takes every opportunity, y'all, to remind us that, don't forget, I did this. I did this. I made y'all friends. He was like, there would be no J if it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> like he created me. <laughs> I couldn't have met you at down the street or something on my own. <laughs> Girl, you probably wouldn't have because I would have been like, I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> it's um even sometime but you know what i am opening up a lot more i still don't know if i'm open to more like close friendships but i am open to people that i can you know like chill with and have a good time with but i think for me my friends are like so important to me and I share so much and it's always such a safe place where I can go and not feel judged and I can depend on them and it takes time to build that and it takes a level of trust and comfort that at this point I don't know if I'm willing to invest in another person oh you know who I also got really cool with Crystal like oh, through right. you like Crystal is probably my the first person um, after you that I've led into my space. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's Crystal tough. And Crystal should talk about friendships because she's kind of like, like a lot of people want to be people's friends. And she's like, no. <laughs> like she'll, you know, you'll think she's your friend because mm -hmm. she's so lovely and nice, but she's like, no new friends. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm really open to like the women in my junior league group and stuff. Like I really enjoy, especially my class, you know, my junior league class, the group of women that I came in with. I really, really enjoy them. They're so funny there. But I think for me, it's, um, you know, I am, my space is so protected and I think I need to have, you know, some kind of vulnerability and be able to trust people without worrying if, you know, my shit's going to be out in the streets. So, um, so that's it. But like, even some of your friends, like I really. That Jay is a great friend. Jay, last summer, I had a very difficult time. And she did a ride or die movie. <laughs> you know I'm playing about my friends. People know what I'm talking about. We did a ride or die move, made some phone calls, you know, had some conversations. <laughs> and only your close friends will do that for you. Like, listen, you the shit needed to be done. The shit yeah, needed to be done. Where you can share stuff like that with a person or you know, have weak moments. So 
although you may feel like you're not a or or good friend, I guess in some instances, like I guess when you decide that a person is your friend, oh yeah, very. Ain't, ain't no turning back and that's why you know <laughs> because I'm willing to go to war for you so I can't just be going to war for any old body you know so there's people like I know especially you know like moms where my daughter goes to like camp and when she's in school that's like yeah we should hang out and I'm like oh, okay maybe <laughs> You know, or even like coworkers, they're like, hey, girl. Mm-mm. so see, that's where I draw the line with the coworkers. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. I don't shit where I eat. So I no, we're cool, you know, and of course there's coworkers like Navinity is like a little sister to me like that. But that was before, you know what I mean? Like we got that bond when she was a student and so she's like a little sister to me but other than that i'm very 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 protective of my space that's why i don't allow co-workers to add me on social media when i was on social media no this is my space i don't want you in there i need to be authentically me on here not who you know at work but me so no get up out my circle you square so i'm geometrically opposed to you <laughs> that's gonna be my new line so my last question huh that we're gonna be putting on shirts so we need to write that one down yes 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 which is probably what um i'm gonna be working on this weekend after we drop the kids off but um so my last question is, I read this article on Madame Noir. You know, I stand for Madame Noir. And um, it was treating it basically, let me tell you the name of the article. I always like to give people their proper credit. It's the title of the article is, Why Do We Hold Our Friends to a Different Standard Than the Men We Date? And it's by Teresa Ukpo or Ukpo. And pretty much the gist of the article is we will freaking flip out of our on our friends for like what we consider wasting our time or, you know, not reciprocating things to us. But in terms, we'll, in, on the flip side of it, we will deal with men that lie to us. We'll deal with men that don't consider our time. We'll deal with men that don't show up for us. And so she was asking why. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you hold your friends I, to a different standard than your significant other? I don't. Um, I don't. I feel like I hold my significant others to a higher standard than my friends. Um, but I feel like I feel like it's the same. I feel like with the significant other, when I was done, I was done. Mm-hmm. With the friendship, when I was done, I was done. And I'll even give an example for Crystal and I, she and I talked about this not long ago. It was maybe 2000, oh, what was that, 2011 sometime. Mm-hmm. She and I had like a misunderstanding falling out and we stopped talking and friendship was done. Mm-hmm. And we didn't speak for a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it, did not sit on my heart well. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't. Like I kept thinking about her. I just it didn't didn't close well. And with a lot 
people that I've eliminated. When it was done, it was done. I ain't think about them. We break up. I ain't think about them. It was done. It was done. But even with my husband, you know, like sometimes we have breakups in our past and it didn't fit well or whatever. And so with Crystal, I reached out to her and I emailed her and asked her to go to get dinner one day to kind of just talk about what happened and see where we were and then patch it up, haven't looked back since. Things have been great. So I don't feel like I'll just toss brands out and take men bad and deal with their, their I feel like every both affect my life and my 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 zen. So I feel like I hold them both to the same standard. It's the opposite for me and my husband had to bring it to my attention and this was I think a little bit after we had gotten married. I forgave my friends for so much, especially the shitty ass one, all in the name of sisterhood. It's about sisterhood. You should forgive. And, you know, when these are people that I probably should have let go a while ago, just kick their ass to the curb. But and I remember him saying to me, you know, like, I wish like. I got the, you know, passes that they got because I'm really hard on him. Um, and I like really, or have been like really, really hard on him. And, and I had to sit there and reevaluate it. Like, that is so true. Like if he had did just like a fraction, not saying he's an innocent person, he's done his shit, but you know, but how it took for me to, what it took for me to forgive him versus the instant forgiveness came with them. It's, I had to process it. Like if I was in a relationship with them, you would have considered that an abusive relationship, not a physically, but a mentally abusive and draining relationship. So it was like, why the fuck am I putting up with this in the name of sisterhood compared to you know he look at me wrong and i'm ready to be like fuck that shit you know or if he you know if he stepped out of line and i really had to process that that i'm allowing my friends to cause me trauma and to abuse me but i would not dare put up with it with a man so it's actually the flip for me it's like i put up with shit from well not now but in the past that i would never put up with with my significant other so yeah that mm, for me it's a little bit different but I know that is true because I think a lot of times women are taught to value romantic relationships more than they are friendships right and I think it even goes back into that last episode about um mothers and how they teach their daughters how to handle email friendships. Yeah. Or even like things of, you know, be careful about your friends and don't be having them around your man, you know, friends taking men and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I could see how some girls or women were were taught not to friendships as much. Yeah. I've and seen... I'm, I've seen women like cancel friend plans with friends that they had because like a dude was like, oh, you want to go out? And they're just like, yeah, okay, girl, you know. And for me, I was the friend on the other hand that like, all right, I don't really care, go. But then over the years when I processed it, I'm like, that's bullshit. Like we had plans for weeks. 
So, but yeah, so that's all I got to say on the friendship topic. So, oh, weird. What just popped up on my timeline is us from the Lizzo concert last year. Yeah, it happened this day last year. <laughs> but, um, so let's wrap this on up so I can go watch Luke Cage and boo get booed up. Okay. Right. I know. So let's take a break and we come back. You could leave with hit us with a quote. We'll give them our contact information and call this shit a night. It's late. Hey guys, so we are back and we trying to get out of here. So Miss Keisha, what you got? What kind of tips you got? What what you want to inspire the people with today? Well, in me learning about high functioning anxiety for the past three weeks, I would say uh, something to do is to have the mantras or mantras rather. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched uh, Being Mary Jane, but how she used to have those post-its around the house. If you would put on post-its things that you feel like you do a good job at to remind yourself of so that you're not so hard on yourself when you're having difficult times. Because we're not perfect. We all don't always do things flawlessly or do things perfect. But we have to remind ourselves of our accomplishments and things that we did do well to keep us motivated to keep going so we're not just pounding down on our imperfections. And that's my tip. Church, like my therapist says, you can be a masterpiece and a work of art at the a work in progress at the same time. All right, so as usual, guys, you can email us at getyourlivepodcast at gmail. Um, you can find us on Instagram at getyourlivepodcast. So send us any comments, any feedback. So this is probably going to be our second to last show of the season. Um, and then we're going to shut things down for about a month, work on our website, work on new content. So we're coming back like all in your face. So, um, not this episode, but our next episode will be our last episode for season one of get your life. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for supporting us. The, the numbers have been great. So the next show will be our last show. And then when we come back, y'all going to be like new podcast. Who this? <laughs> so until then, please feel free to drop us a line and let we know, let us know how we're doing. And as always, you could leave us five star reviews on iTunes. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye. Hey.